Thanks for joining us. I'm Alan Burke, a landscape architect here in the Puget Sound region, and you are listening to the Green Meridian Podcast. My guest today is Danilo Maffei. Many of you will know him as a past president of APLD. He has extensive experience and a background in public horticulture, does a number of very beautiful, elegant, and formal projects on the East Coast, uh, based in Kennett Square in Pennsylvania. He is active as an educator and in a role of civic leadership on the Historical Commission and as a uh, past uh, city councilman. When he's not at the drawing board, you'll find him walking his dogs through the neighborhoods of Kennett Square and singing baritone in his church choir or teaching landscape design at Longwood Gardens. Today, we welcome Danilo Maffei. We're here this afternoon with my uh, friend, my, my social media friend, Danilo Maffei, and he is uh, a well-respected uh, landscape designer on the East Coast. Uh, I have been following his work for some time, and uh, let's get into it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Alan. Yeah. What's What's the day like today? Did you have to rush back to the office and like? <laughs> I jam just down got I just got back from a job site literally ten minutes before this started, making sure that uh, all eyes were dotted and T's crossed. Isn't that the way it's going? I mean, thank God for coffee. Thank God for that. Yeah, it is the savior. Uh huh. Are Are you a coffee drinker? Uh yes, religiously. Co copious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it made me think this morning. I was looking through all the bio stuff I kind of gathered uh, on you. Um. So, where did you go to uh, school? Did you have formal training in landscape design? Yes. I mean, this was actually my only course of my career actually both professionally speaking i graduated from the professional horticulture program at longwood gardens that's i their, see okay that's their two-year residency program we lived there for two years 24 months solid spend half your time in the classroom the other half in the gardens getting your hands dirty and literally every department of the gardens so the students who graduate from there uh go on to have careers in in uh, public horticulture, private estates, retail, contracting, I mean, you name it, um, and they're, they're industry ready. So uh, that's where I got my horticulture training. That's fascinating. I mean, I think of all the different, I did a, a podcast episode on uh, landscape design education. It seems like it would be a very different kind of orientation yeah. to, to the trade. Do you, do you feel like now that you've been in it a while and you've been working around other designers, do you feel like your training was a lot different than other folks you run into? It was because really when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be an architect. Right. Uh, so, you know, when I was there, I was you know, taking drafting courses in the industrial arts department and kind of getting myself ready for doing all that drawing stuff. Right. Right. Um, and it was always something that was interesting to me as a kid. Uh, and then I graduated high school and found out just uh, just how uh, different uh, that that education and training was and it didn't resonate with me 
uh, and I, I struggled through my first year and got a summertime job with a landscape architect that was not too far from me. He was looking for someone to do drafting for him. Mm. And I didn't even know what a landscape architect was. I mean, I never even heard of the job when I so was. So did you have, did you have the architectural degree? So, so no, you, so no, you, just, I, you just, no, I, I went, I went one year to you know, Penn State uh, and got my core work in, got this summertime job with a landscape architect. By the end of the summer, I said, hmm, this job sounds really interesting. I want to learn more. And I dropped out of college and I, and I stayed with him for the next almost four years. Wow. So, uh, and I just, I just soaked up everything out of his practice I possibly could, uh, including doing some kind of internship type things with a couple of contractors. And then I realized, okay, you know, I think, I think I want to stick around with this. And I asked him, what do you think I should do next? He's like, well, you need to, you need a little more formal training, not just what you learned here. And he recommended horticulture. His family were nursery were, were nursery operators for a long time. So he was a big plants guy. And he thought I needed to learn more about horticulture. He said, you've learned enough about design. Go learn about horticulture. So yeah, that's a great direction. It's amazing yeah. to me how many people... Uh, come into it with some kind of almost like an epiphany of, of, yeah. of, of consideration of the career that they hadn't thought about. It's not like, uh, I don't know, computer science where people go into it from high school, it's their goal and, you know, they're into that. Um, yeah. it's almost, it's almost like it has to be a discovery for a lot of people, not, not everybody, but I think yeah. the people that I meet that are passionate, it seems like that's something that I'm realizing is that they are actually discovering it from some other orientation. And yeah, coming yeah. to it very purposely. So, well, and I and I've been in the industry long enough now, and also as an educator, and I mm -hmm. I, I teach at Longwood Gardens as an adjunct instructor mm -hmm. there for a couple mm -hmm. of different programs, and I lecture around the country and so forth. And you know, I, you you're just as likely to meet someone who's a career changer in landscape design as you are someone who came to it natively from university forward. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's wonderful because you know people come to me and say, well, you know, I had a career in finance or I had a career in, in art or something else. And then they bring that experience, the, what they did in something else. And then they translate it to, to our industry. And then they get, they get whatever training it is they need and they get coached up or however they get into the industry. And, you know, I think that's one of the great things about, about the green industry is uh, there's relatively low barrier to entry. Uh, which I think is great because you can bring people with these skills, these uh, these skill sets, and and this drive, and, and you know, with enough determination and stick to itiveness, they can be really successful. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the landscape architectural programs are the same. Uh, I know w when I've taught and attended and spoken at uh, community college, it seems to be more of a mix of people that have come to it as a second career. Yeah, or they're or they're getting their master's in landscape architecture after they got right. their undergraduate in something else, right? They realize, okay, I finished my undergrad and I realize I, I don't want to do that, but hey, let's mm -hmm. let's do landscape architecture. But you know, yeah. even, but even those folks that might have done their undergrad in landscape architecture, you know, even if you don't sit for the lair and you and you never actually get your license, you can still apply the education that you receive there and say, okay, I got it. And that, you know, that degree will open the doors that they want open and, and they can be just fine with that. Yeah. Now you've been in it for a while. I mean, you've been teaching, you've been, in, you've been in public service to some degree. And yes. then of course you have the formal education around it and you've actually come at it from a horticultural angle, which is kind of unusual, actually. I mean, how would you, how would you uh, articulate how, the career 
as a professional designer is mischaracterized or misunderstood or, or how did you, how did you think about it? How, how's your, how have your thoughts changed as you've matured into your career from where you originally thought you'd be and how you, how you'd be experiencing what you're doing? Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a long-term goal in mind when it came to my, when it came to my career. Uh, I, I knew that I had a skill set. I knew that I liked being creative. I knew I liked solving problems and uh, I knew I liked being around people. Uh, and so, and I just kind of, I kind of stumbled into this career. And when, when I started realizing I could use some of those interests in, in my career, um, I just started working on it. And uh, you know, then I found, okay, well, where am I weak? Where do I need to get stronger? And I would take courses in that and work mm -hmm. and work. And then mm -hmm. I would get better at that and then so forth and so on. So I didn't come at it with, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to save the world kind of a thing. I think that's, I think that's one misperception about the industry that um, it, it, it gets on me a little bit. It's like, um, is you don't have to be a landscape designer and say, well, I'm, I'm going to save the planet. So, well, you know, I, I don't go at my work as if I'm going to save the planet. What I do when I do my work is I'm going to, I'm going to save my clients. Right? I'm going to make sure, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm going to make sure that the, that the goals that they have uh, are, are going to be achieved in, in the very best way possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not everyone, you know, not everyone comes at it saying, well, you know, I, I want to re reduce greenhouse emissions or I want to reduce the heat island effect or I want to conserve water. I mean, you know, around here in the mid-Atlantic, we look for ways to get rid of water. Yeah, right. right? So we have too much of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, in other parts of the country, it's obviously a completely different story. Yeah, um, it's, it's so, the way it is here. It's very different. I mean, it's <laughs> it's raining 24-7 or drizzling. And then around June, it dries up and everybody freaks out and it's a, it's pretty dry. So, yeah, exactly. So um, I look at it as saying, I'm, I'm here to, to deliver a service to my clients because they're trying to achieve a certain outcome. And mm -hmm. the vast majority of my clients are not gardeners. They're not horticulturists. Right. They, they don't want to tend to they, they don't, they don't want a vegetable garden or anything like mm -hmm. that, but they do have a piece of property that mm -hmm. they purchased and they want to maximize their enjoyment mm -hmm. from it. And I mm -hmm. see that as that's my job is mm -hmm. to, is to do that. Now I, I do that with a, with a, a design philosophy and an outlook on the way that the landscape industry fits into the broader context. And, uh, and of course, environmental awareness comes into it. You know, but you're thinking about things like sustainability, which everyone keeps kind of hammering on. It's like, well, when people talk about sustainability, it seems like all we ever talk about are the environmental services, when in fact, you know, sustainability is a, is a three-legged stool that sits on environmental services, plus the economic and social resources that are required in order for it to work. So while it's all well and good that we might be doing something that's good for the environment, if we can't afford to pay for it, or if we don't like it socially, if we, if we don't care about it enough as people to maintain it, then all that effort is wasted. So I like to look at all three of those things. And, uh, you know, I think that's some of the things that I bring to my clients is let's break this down into, into those three columns, you know, you know, what's it doing for all of those services, not just one. So, so jumping around a little bit, uh, I want to get back to some other stuff, but regarding your yeah. business, Mm -hmm. um, what is a typical day for you? You've got consultations, you're doing, you're meeting new clients, mm -hmm. you have ongoing uh, jobs that you're doing. 
and uh, you're going to see those with some supervision or or management of the work yep. there. You're yep. not installing, but you We're are contractors. But you're coordinating contractors that I'm assuming you're familiar with and you've you've met or uh, you know I'm sure there's always somebody new, but but you're you know these are since you've been working at it for a while they're either they're tried and true people that you've worked with quite a bit. That's what, is right. like the what is like the typical day? You get you get up at you know you sleep till ten. You get up, watch over, <laughs> yeah, you know, big roll out the door. Ten o'clock, have a long, yeah. leisurely hour and a half breakfast. Uh, I'm I'm an early riser. I love mornings, uh, and uh, I try and maximize my time between you know six a.m. and eleven o'clock. You know, those are those are just like absolutely golden hours for me. Um, and I like to do my creative things then. Uh, if I have if I have things to do on the drawing board, I'll do it in the morning. Uh, mm -hmm. And then my analytical stuff happens in the afternoon. So I try and I try and schedule those meetings with with clients, like those the first meetings. Try and do those in the afternoon. If I'm you know if it's if we're in the install season, which for us in the Mid Atlantic, you know pretty much between you know late March until early December, we're we're able to install. Uh, garden so but you're on the same job site for a good period of time during the day uh, or you're going from site to site and you've got multiple locations yeah i'm going from site to site uh i am not much used to somebody standing there all day long staring at them and pointing my finger mm -hmm. i try and meet up with the with the crew leader or the owner of the project determine what's going to be happening for the day and get an understanding for what the outcomes are going to be for their activities and then uh, check in on it again the next day after we, we set up with the set up those expectations. Mm -hmm. you know, it's my job as a as a designer and a, a project manager to to link up the design that I do with the right tradespeople to install it. So, you know, my value for my projects come at projects that are a little bit more complex, not just planting, but things that have a planting and construction component to it. Uh, so the kinds of things where there might be more than like say three contractors or some, you know, subcontractors uh, of working on the project, that's where my services become valuable to the client. So I'm organizing all of them, I'm bringing, I'm bringing those folks who I, you're right, I do know, I do know them, I know their work and I invite them to, to the project. I try and stay away from uh, competitive bidding situations just because I feel like it's just a race to the bottom. Uh, rather, I, I try to organize teams that I can advise my clients and say, I think this contractor is best for the planting and this one's best for the masonry and so forth and so on. And, and how do you, how do you fit in the, how do you fit in the educational component at Longwood? When, when are you doing that? Well, wherever I can. <laughs> so it's it's not it's not uh, it's maybe two or three hundred hours a year that I'm teaching, depending on on what the on what the curriculum is that year. So when you're doing so, it, it's pretty it's pretty active, and you're 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 there for multiple days, or you're doing yeah. once a week for multiple weeks. It, it's usually one afternoon a week. Like right now, I'm teaching the mm -hmm. professional horticulture students, the senior students who will uh, graduate in July, and mm -hmm. they're installing their capstone projects that they've mm -hmm. been working on for the past mm -hmm. two semesters. So I was just out there this morning checking on their mm -hmm. progress. Uh, and it's a great experience for them. And then they'll, I'll be done with them by the end of the week and then I'll have the summer off and then I'll teach some continued education courses, which is an online course, mm -hmm. uh, which that transition from a studio course to fully online, which, you know, as you mm -hmm. might expect you know, when that happened mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's turned out nicely. We, we went from students that were, you know, within say a, a couple hours drive of Longwood Gardens. And now we have students pretty much all across the country. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it has a reputation. And uh, I'm sure if you're on the East Coast, you you want to get up there. So what you're talking about specifically for the current effort is what you're calling the idea garden. Is that, is mm -hmm. that the, 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 the project that you've been posting? Yeah. So the, the, the gardens is, uh, that the students are working on is called the student exhibition garden. Mm -hmm. Okay. The SEG. The, the, the SEG. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's located within the idea garden that long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was really impressed with uh, this. Is it Nemours farm? Nemours, uh, Nemours farm. Yeah. Nemours farm. Just, just over the Delaware border. Mm -hmm. uh, a fantastic uh, property originally uh, developed in the 1920s and as a private estate uh, turned into uh, a home for a member of the DuPont family and they they raised some uh, racehorses there for a while and um, when when that when that uh, owner sold it they they sold it along with a conservation easement so the architecture and the environment were uh, protected 64 acre property and uh, the the, the vast majority of it is protected by a conservation easement. So uh, we worked on, on that property to transition it from uh, uh, this horse farm to now a private estate again. And uh, is, do you feel like your work with the Historical Commission kind of informs your thinking around that, gives you some guidance on how to approach it, that type yeah, of thing? Yeah, I was... I was full. I was full bore uh, with uh, historic preservation here in the in the town of Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I learned a lot there. It, it um, you know, it gave me a great uh, perspective on what it means to preserve uh, architecture, and I, I come at it in a slightly different way than I think most people do. Where where many people say we want to preserve this building or this block as a snapshot of what it was in a particular period. But you know, architecture, in my opinion, is a is a living and growing, breathing thing, and it's indicative of the people of the time. So you know, we're I'm not on that on that commission anymore. I'm not on borough council anymore. But you know, we have a brand new library going up in town here in Kennett Square that doesn't look anything like any of the historic buildings, but it's of its time, right? This building is being built right now with local materials and being built with an aesthetic. That's appropriate for 2023. And was it hard? It, was it hard to get it through? That being the case, I no, actually, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, the historical commission, the architectural review board, weighed in, and because it's also just outside the edge of the of uh, the preservation district, which is a little bit more stringent, uh, it went through pretty easily. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't folks in town who have their opinions that think that it should look mm -hmm. like something else, and I completely respect that. But my opinion is, you know, a hundred years from now, I would want people to look back on the buildings that we created in 2023 and go, ah, that's what they, that's what they were like in 2023. Not, <laughs> oh, it's interesting. It's like in 2023, the buildings look just like they did in 1823. Yeah, right. They didn't right. learn anything. <laughs> well, the way we're going, things might be ashes in another hundred years. They might be looking at it that way. So who knows? Well, exactly. It might be buried under the, the refuse of a volcano or something. And yeah, or we're talking just, about us with great reverence and all. Just bile or internet hatred. Um, yeah. When I think of uh, the 6,000 people in Southern Chester County, I'm thinking that Kenneth Square must be like Stars Hollow in the Gilmore Girls. Is that pretty much a parallel universe? Or... <laughs> I wish I watched the show, so I'm, I'm missing the... Uh, How about Mayberry? The... Is like Mayberry? Like, uh... it's, it's not quite like Mayberry. Quite. Um, but, you know, it is a small town and like, you know, kind of everybody knows everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, so if, if from that perspective, yes, um, you know, we're it's it has a, a great hometown vibe. Mm -hmm. 
you walking down the street and somebody pigeonholes you and says, hey, that Corbell on that building doesn't match up to our historical standards. You got to do something about it. That's why I changed my grocery shopping schedule from uh, <laughs> mid-afternoon on Saturdays to first thing in the morning when there weren't as many people there. There you go. <laughs> So you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty busy. I mean, it looks like, uh, you know, you've got a good business going and you're, you know, you're, you're, a, you're, you're really active with your work. It doesn't sound like you let that stuff uh, uh, gestate too long. You're, you're, you, you know, what's going on out at your job sites and you're, you're on them pretty actively. I mean, do you, do you, do you have a team around you? Do you have a bunch of people that work with you? What, what's, what's the company? Yeah. So the company itself is by and large, it's just me and one design assistant. I'm actually mm -hmm. in between assistants right now. So shameless plug oh if there's any uh, <laughs> if there's any budding designers looking for uh work in this in southeastern Pennsylvania, give me a call. Okay. Um so I'm able to manage my work uh between the two of us. And uh, if I need more help uh checking on job sites or doing site inventories or churning out construction documents i have a network of folks i can turn to to mm -hmm. ramp that up when it's necessary so you're the the package you're putting together for uh uh a typical high-end residential project it's the design as a standalone agreement that that encompasses getting the drawings done and coordinating estimates and that type of thing yes and and then correct. there's the management that's done separately based upon the final scope on an Correct. hourly rate. That, that's that's how exactly, you're doing. that's exactly right. Yep. So depending on the needs of the client or the complexity mm -hmm. of the project, they may or may not need me for the, mm -hmm. uh, for the management end. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, not all projects need someone, you know, standing there making sure that it's happening or it might be simple enough. And the, and the client might be comfortable enough in working with contractors that they can, hand the drawings to the contractor, it can happen, just bring me on on an as-needed basis just to check on things and right. make sure that it's being, the work is being installed uh, to our expectations. So I do write myself into the specs a bit that I get to check plant layout and certain mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So uh, I, I, I do kind of get myself uh, in, written into the DNA of the design a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you find like your, your, with your work, if you, uh, if you are overbooked because you're almost working like a sole proprietor, um, oh, yeah. that, does that does that create stress? I mean, are you do you, do you feel like you're able to parcel it out where it's got uh, a beginning and an end, or do you feel like you're you're kind of overbooking yourself and it's it's a it's a bit too much? Uh, I like to think that I'm a pretty good I'm a pretty good planner and time manager, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm a pretty good pre qualifier of work. Mm -hmm. I've, I've created a, a profile to my projects and say, you know, these are the kinds of projects that typically, A, interest me. And I think mm -hmm. that's like number one is like, is it going to be interesting to me? Uh, and, and then B, are my skills appropriate or relevant to this, to this job? Uh, so I'll shake, I'll shake new inquiries down pretty hard. Uh, before I even go out and do an on-site visit, if I, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't seem right on that first phone call or on a, you know, a, I'll do a Zoom interview with the mm -hmm. potential client, uh, and mm -hmm. you know, we'll say, you know, I just don't think it's a good fit, and I've, I've gotten better, I've gotten better at that. Now, right. you know, I've, I've been under my own shingle now for, gosh, twelve years now, and um, you know, it was a different story at the beginning. You know, whenever the phone rang, whatever the yeah. job was. <laughs> Whatever I'm the there. job was, it, it's, yeah, I'll be right there. No problem. Yes, we do that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
And uh, but I also found it hard to say no. I mean, I, sure. I want people to be happy. You know, I think it's one right. of the reasons why right. I, you know, why I do this. Don't want to disappoint. I don't want to disappoint. It's like, oh, sure, I can do it. It's like, yeah. well, I, I right. can do it. You know, almost any job. I feel you know. it. You know, I hate to. You know, I, I've said. I think I've said no the last three years more than I ever have before. And I, I feel like what, even when I'm saying no, I want to give somebody some help. You know, some yeah. resources. And, and, and I don't. I don't like to leave them cold. So I'll. I'll right. send them to somebody. I'll say, you know, I think this would be a good fit for so and so. Why don't you give this person a call? Yeah. And, uh, you know, try and give them something just sort of, or at mm -hmm. least give them, you know, give them the, the APLD website and say, Hey, look, they have a yeah. find a designer uh, right. feature there, you know, or, or right. something else. You know, check with our, with our state landscape and nursery association. They, right. they can, maybe they can help you out. Right. Um, and, and, you know, give them something just right. because you, you never know. It, it's happened before I get a call one year and it wasn't a good fit. And then a little bit of time goes by and I get a call back from them again. It's like, Hey, guess what? You know, I remembered you and you know, you've sent us down this road. It was right at the time, but now some things have changed. We want to, you know, we think we, we've yeah. got a better project and it turned out that it was true. Yeah. I had a project a couple of years ago, a client called me out of the blue and I go see them at their house and they enroll these plans. And it says, uh, they say, basically, can you implement this kind of plan? And I look at it, it's a plan I had done like 10 or 12 years ago. <laughs> I said, I think I could probably do it. If I, yeah, you know. that, that looks like right up my alley. Actually. You know, I, it's not a great design, but I think I can work with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I was so, there's there's no bad projects. There's just bad timing. Yeah, but honestly, there are bad projects too. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you gotta admit. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Maybe let's, so. let's take a quick let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Um, this is great. This is uh, you know I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time because I, I I missed your uh, talk your your activity at the garden show here in the Pacific yeah, Northwest. Yeah, I was at the Seattle. Northwest Flower and Garden yeah. Show this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Really enjoyed that. It was my first time at that show. How's it compared to Philadelphia? You think? Yeah, it 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 looks like Philadelphia Flower Show in in scale and content and the way that is the way that is organized. Mm -hmm. um, but it feels younger. Mm. You know, it hasn't been around as long as the Philly show. I mean, Philly mm -hmm. show dates back to the founding of the country. Mm -hmm. I was walking, I was walking uh, down in center city, Philadelphia, not too long ago. And there's a historical marker uh, where the, where the show first happened. And it's like nowhere near, you know, where it is now. Oh gosh. You know, it's like, it was like 1790 or something. It was crazy. I wonder where you got your plants from in those days. That would have been fascinating. Somebody should write a book about that. Uh, there's there's a really good book out there called The Brother Gardeners. Uh, yeah, I've the, read that. Yeah, you know, yeah fantastic yeah. book. And yeah. basically, but it was about about the discovery of yeah. of the New World and sending yeah. all these Native American plants back to England. Oh, I, you know, I love all that. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Joseph Banks story, and you know that whole founding gardeners. You know, Thomas Jefferson, Ethan. John Bartram, right? So yeah, some really great. You know, where do those plants come from? They probably came from, you know, from the woods out behind yeah. back, but they probably also brought a lot back over from Europe. Yeah. Which, Look at know, this obviously. lovely English ivy I've brought over. I'm <laughs> going to plant it right here. It's Look, doing it's so everywhere. well. Hey, it grows everywhere. It's, it's perfect. so dependable. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. So do you feel like uh, in your work, uh, there's a fair amount of tradition and uh, in many cases, a historical significance you're trying to impart to the... Mm outdoor area and um uh a certain uh careful reflection of the previous ethos that went into the garden that you're kind of inheriting mm -hmm. that you don't that you want to honor 
Um, do you feel like in some ways that can stifle your creativity a bit and that it kind of can hem you in a bit? Yes. Uh, in thinking back to my times with, in historic preservation, I, I collected many books on what a period garden looks like. Right. Uh, and the interesting thing is like the period that they were talking about, of course, is you know, the period in the United States. And basically we have this colonial period and kind of going to the Victorian period and then some of the European influences that, that came into it. And, you know, everybody says like, oh, well, what, what style is, is that? It's like, oh, well, is this a colonial style or is a four square or is this, mm -hmm. is that? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, they become almost formulaic. Just like, okay, right. you, only, right. you don't have, you only have right. so many choices as to which plants you can use and, you know, how you can lay out the gardens and so on. And, and I, I find that, um, I, I find that, yes, a, a bit stifling creatively. I, and I would rather take inspiration from the site and the architecture that's there and then infuse it with the personality right. of the people who live when there at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. And and see where see where that goes. You know, it's just like that building I was talking about here in Kennett Square. You know, it looks nothing like the 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 historic buildings in in town, but it draws from the forms and the shapes and the materials that are indigenous to this place. So you look at it. You look at it. There's some there's something recognizable. Yes. And and, and and historic and yet modern about it. And that's what organizes design, in my opinion, is mm -hmm. finding something recognizable to ground you mm -hmm. in that place mm -hmm. so that from that recognizable piece, you mm -hmm. can explore the other corners of the garden. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching mm -hmm. my students, you know, we talk about creating form, creating, using geometry. And uh, just like, you know, you put recognizable shapes, squares and circles and triangles and other ovals and things that people that mm -hmm. are recognized because mm -hmm. these are just so foundational to our understanding of things, you know, squares are pointy or, and circles are smooth <laughs> right, and right, so on, right. you know, and it, it gives you that, that, that inflection of what the space mm -hmm. should be. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, we can kind of do whatever you want with the other materials, the other things, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, the plants can be crazy or they can be all lined up in a row. Um, and, and, uh, you know, go at it that way. Um, mm -hmm. And they can still be recognizable, but it doesn't have to, to fit a particular pattern. Do you, uh, do you feel like that noted, and I know you're, you're trying to inject that into your, your overall effort when you can and when a client will allow you to do that. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have to show them and it's a discovery thing. And, you know, I'm sure that's very satisfying when you're not sure it's going to work and then they respond to it and it's very positive. Um, that can be a good sure. feeling, but do, but do you feel like um, that you are creative, that, that you are uh, as actively creative and innovative as you want to be, or do you feel like that, that, that sometimes it's <laughs> difficult to kind of reach for that as much as you'd like to? You know, sometimes I just wish that I could just be, people say, what's the difference between, you know, being a uh, is oh they still say you know Dan you're 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 like an artist like no I'm not an artist you know I'm I'm a designer I a design the difference between a designer and an artist is a is a designer will design because someone has hired them to solve a problem whereas an artist will create because they must otherwise they'll explode from all this pent up uh, pressure on the inside mm -hmm. um, so so. I need to follow a certain a certain direction of the owners. You know, it's like it's like yeah. commissioned art, yeah. basically. Yeah. It's like we want you to create this statue for this occasion and so on and do that. Well, what do you uh, what so do you do? What do you what what are you uh, 
what do you wish you could do now that is almost within reach that mm. that you're not quite doing? Yeah. So is it within reach? I don't know. But, you know, I think about being like like how an architect builder could create a development company and they can create uh, communities or buildings or, uh, you know, inner city developments that, that are within their vision. Right. As they say, and they can they'll have complete control over everything, basically, you know, within the within the zone mm -hmm. of the city. So if if I could if I could create gardens that, that are like what I want to do and then somehow may, you know, make that something desirable that people could buy into and they, they could mm -hmm. make, make it part of make it part of their work life or their their vacation life or whatever it happens to be you know I if if I could find a way to to make that economically feasible that's that's where I would be I think you you should think about running for mayor of Kennett Square. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> I did my time in public service, and I'm good. Thanks, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a thankless there's a thankless task. It's do you, tough. Do you, do you you've been in the green industry for a long time? Do you feel like uh, there's uh, a misdirection or or a direction that the green industry should be going that we're not? Yeah, we need to emphasize more, emphasize more on the next generation. I mean, it's great that we we get uh, career changers and uh, folks to kind of revitalize our market a little bit more and bring in more energy. But um, you know, I'm I'm truly concerned for what the next generation of horticulturists will be. Um, uh, we need we need more growers. We need more nursery operators. Mm -hmm. We need more contractors that really want to do fantastic work. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's so difficult to to find that, you know, when I do find them and they're there, but you really have to work hard, you know, and mm -hmm. you have to align yourself and your work with the, with them because, um, you know, the next generation, they want to do meaningful things. So they, they're not going to they're not going to slog a nine to five, punch a card and, you know, churn out widgets all day long because they need to make the mortgage. Uh, they're going to do. They're only going to do the work that they find fulfilling. Um, and if the if the designs that I'm creating don't look like the kind of thing that they want to build or they want to grow plants for, they mm -hmm. don't care. Um, so, uh, but there's not enough of them, right? So we need we need more. We need more energy and more diversity coming from the next generation. And there's some things that are happening out there. Uh, the um, uh, the I love my hashtag I love my plant job is something to look at uh, and, and trying to encourage kids at the middle school age to start getting interested and realize that you can in fact have a, a successful lucrative uh, career in horticulture yeah yeah so what's on the nightstand right now that uh, that Dan's reading <laughs> so I'm a big like self-teach kind of person um, um so right now uh my next challenge is i'm going to uh do a triathlon in august oh my god so <laughs> which i've never done before condolences and, I just, and and i thank you so right now i am i what am i reading i am reading the the it's called the 12 week triathlete um, oh, <laughs> nothing like that to make you feel relaxed and want to go to sleep <laughs> yes so i'm learning all about like how to breathe again because apparently oh. i've been doing it wrong for the past uh, I see. Yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> if you only knew so when, when is that gonna when is that gonna happen when's the it'll, when's the big the big day it'll be august 13th in atlantic city atlantic city nice yes wow so how far will you be running 
it's called a sprint marathon uh, triathlon. So I'll be doing a quarter mile swim, a 12 mile bike and a three and a half mile run. Right. And then you got to go in for a cancer screening after that swim. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, we'll just, I'll just keep my mouth closed. It's also a good excuse to get a really nice bike, isn't it? Well, I, I see this is my first one. So I actually borrowed a bike from a family oh. member because uh, I'm not going to go all in on something like that for something I may never do again. Mm, I see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So far, all I'm right. liking it. I'm two weeks into my training. Well, good luck. Post about that so we can uh, I live. Will. I'll, I'll be eating pie and living vicariously while you're I'm running. I'm jealous. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Alan. All right. You take care.